Welcome to your Locked On SEC Football Podcast. Here's Chris Landry of LandryFootball.com. I'm Dave Hooker. On SEC Football Podcast comes from Manscaped, the number one in men's below-the-belt grooming. You may have seen them on Shark Take. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools. Get 20% off and free shipping with a locked-on code at Manscaped.com. Locked-on code, 20% off Manscaped.com with the promo code locked-on. And free shipping. Chris Landry, we're getting in the uh, middle uh, preseason camp. A lot of teams uh, holding scrimmages over the weekend, so there is uh, plenty of news out there. Let's begin with Alabama. We've talked about the backup quarterback situation for several teams, and you've said that you don't think Alabama can win a national championship if Tua goes down. Um, Your thoughts on Matt Jones, who Nick Saban said had a really good day today during Saturday's scrimmage. Well, I think he's uh, a really capable young quarterback, good leader, pretty good decision maker. Um, they're going to have to run the football more with him. Um, not going to be able to make as many plays in the passing game with him if they're having to play him. I think the plan would be to get him enough playing time uh, this year, and I think the schedule is going to allow them to be able to do that. Um, although, time will tell on that. Uh, listen, I think that you know, all the everyone wants to know how somebody did or didn't do. I think that, uh, you know, for people who look at completion percentage and things like that, that's really not relevant. What's relevant is did he get the ball out on time? Did he make the correct reads? Did you know where to go with the football? The comfort level of setting protections, the ability to be able to get out of a bad play into a good play, uh, the experience level that only comes with just reps of doing it is what's key and pivotal. But when you are overly talented, as Alabama is, you you can simplify things and get away with it and not have it threaten you in a game. So I think they could win games this year uh, if Mac Jones has to play. I just don't know if they can win a national championship, and I stand by that. And one of the guys that they've got that uh, could be – one of the next great Alabama defenders you wrote about, Anthony Jennings. Uh, Your thoughts on him, the junior edge rusher, uh, certainly appears uh, ready to to continue his growth this season. Well, it's um, no doubt. I mean, I think he's got a lot of ability as an exciting playmaker. He can play off the edge. And, you know, the pass rush ability um, is, you know, is there. And they really need to have guys that can really impact um, you know, the ability to be able to rush the passer and, you know, get out and create one-on-one matchups as opposed to having to manufacture pressure. We get Auburn on the planes. Or hey, no, well, well let's, not, let's not forget, we, we, the, the, the biggest story at Alabama this weekend, obviously, uh, with a tough loss of the injury situation. You know, Trey Sanders is, you know, was, was huge. But, you know, you've got depth there. But when you look at um, the situation and, and, and certainly having a linebacker go down, that's going to be your, 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 the guy that's going to be calling um, your defense is, is huge. So we're going to have to – Joshua McMillan's injury at um, uh, the knee injury is uh, interesting to see where this is going to play out. But it was a really rough weekend injury-wise uh, at Alabama, losing – McMillan, um, you know, Sanders is gone for the year. We talked about what type of an impact he could have in the rotation. Um, so 
as good as they are and as talented as they are, uh, you're taking a guy that uh, in Sanders, for example, uh, if they were to lose one of their two main backs, now all of a sudden they're down to one back that is really experienced that's capable. So I thought that was a significant injury, but none more significant than Joshua McMillan, who is going to line up opposite uh, Dylan Moses. And, I, you know, it looks like McMillan's going to be down for a while. and We'll, we'll find out. So there's some big news in, in Bama this weekend, but really more in the injury front. So you said McMillan, um, he was in charge of calling the defense that wasn't uh, Dylan? No, he's, he's uh, you know, Dylan is, is, is calls a, a lot of the defense, but McMillan makes all the checks. So you've got right. to have both of those guys there that uh, you lose a guy like that. Now, Moses goes down. Now the guy that is going to be the true play caller on defense that's a tough. That's a tough deal. So, when you look at how they call the defense, certainly uh, the Mike Becker and Moses, um, you know, is is the guy that that will set everything. But what they do in their defense, that will Becker has got to make checks and adjustments on his side. And if Moses were to first of all go out in the game, not just with an injury, but just go out then it's McMillan's job as a play caller. So it's a little bit different. It's you know, obviously quarterback gets more of one guy in the game, but it's much more fluid defensively depending upon what you're running uh, and what coverage you're running, what front you're running. Very often it's McMillan that's making the play call because Moses is either out of the game or in a different situation where he may make the calls and McMillan has to make the check. So that's a big big loss for Alabama if he's gone for an extended period of time, which right now it looks like he is. Are we thinking El Cajo uh, steps in um, for McMillan if he's out for a long period of time? Um, athletically, is I don't know that he's ready to make that adjustment. Now, if there's a positive, I mean, you know, this is really spinning it. If you have injuries, you have it early enough to where now – you always are working to get the next guy ready. Now they're going to give a lot more, um, you know, reps to guys that are going to have a, a real opportunity to maybe be more of a factor with McMillan likely gone for looks like going to be a chunk of the season. Now, we don't have a definite on that, but um, Anoma is certainly a guy that, has got the most athletic ability to come in and play in his spot right now. So coming up, we'll take a look at uh, Auburn. Uh, we'll go on the Plains, stay in the state of Alabama. Also some more practice news from LSU, Texas, A&M, and Florida, Georgia as well. So we've got a lot going on. Stay tuned. You're locked on SEC football podcast. He's Chris Landry. I'm Dave Hooker. You are locked on SEC football, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome back. You're locked on SEC football podcast. We stay in the state of Alabama. It is Auburn. Your thoughts on Jatarvius Whitlow rushed for 431 yards after contact in 2018. That, you know, I don't break it down like you do, Chris, but that seems like a really impressive number to me. Yeah, listen, I, I think the guy's got a lot of ability, and I think this unless I'm reading it wrong, unless I just, uh, you know, see it a little differently. I, 
I think there's depth at running back. Maybe there's lacking of that great back. But I think Whitlow can be that guy that can be like the bell cow back. And he forces a lot of missed tackles. He's had the nagging injuries. And that's the reason why the production hadn't been quite what they need. But this guy can make you miss. He's got good avoidance yards. And he doesn't get clean contact on him. So he finds a way to make himself skinny in the hole. And he really does a good job with after contact yardage. Look, we can talk about... Auburn's success, and it's tied to quarterback play, and that is definitely true. This offensive line's a veteran unit, and they're not doing anything with any quarterback unless this running game just goes off this year. And if it goes off, the guy that's going to make the most big plays in the run game is going to be Booby Whitlow, and I think he has the ability to do it. Can he stay healthy? That's the big key. Can they have a rotation where they can keep him fresh? They've got a lot of guys that are capable but who's going to step up? So it's one of the unique things about with no preseason in college. We're talking about it, you know, and I'm, I'm busy with that in the NFL right now with all the preseason. Look at tape and look at young guys. But, you know, all of a sudden it's, you know, we talk, we talk, we talk, scrimmage, 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 practice, 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 get healthy, get, you know, get this guy ready. Right, boom, we line up and we're going to play. Maybe not the biggest games, Dave, but it's like, yeah, we're going for good. And in some cases, Auburn, yeah, uh, before you know it, well, hey, they got Auburn coming up this Saturday. I mean, it's it's you know, it's going to be real interesting. We're going to learn a lot about a lot of these teams early in the season. No doubt. And I know Gus Malzahn also talked about running back Harold Joyner, who's pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. He's talked about being used as a fullback, um, but could be on a tailback role as well. Is that what you're thinking? Yeah, I think more that H-back, that power guy, short yardage, move him around, wing back, power back, kick the edges, a blocker. You know, uh, a guy, he's really more built like an H-back. I mean, he's a little tallish for a fullback. He's 6'4", 218. But he's got a role there. I don't think there's any doubt now. I know Gus sees him as more of a carry-on Johnson-type runner, but he's built a lot different. Um, I don't think he runs quite, you know, under his pads as well as carry-on, but he's another one of those guys that they like that fits into the mix, into their running game. So I say he's a big part of their running package, sometimes as a runner, sometimes as a kick-out guy, sometimes as an H-back move guy. You know, I think that's kind of how they use him and will use him in Gus's offense. Gus's offense in his play calling, I think, is also one of the real storylines of this football season, certainly in the SEC, and can determine really how good this Auburn team can be. Do you think he, talking about Gus, is as confident as he was five years ago in his play calling because he's gone back and forth of giving other uh, coaches the reins of the offense and um, you know, he just seemed like such a confident play caller. Do, do you worry that he's lost that edge at all, or is that getting a little too psychiatrist on it? Um, no, no. Here's the thing: I don't think he's lost confidence. See, that offense is built around the quarterback being a good decision maker and having run skills. If it doesn't have that, it's not going to be as effective. So, what they've tried to do, and let's just call it like it is. There's been a lot of outside internal pressure, and let me say that, outside outside the football staff, right. but the administrative staff, 
to go and need to hire this coordinator and this name guy. And so he's, he's dabbled into that. Well, the offense hasn't worked at times because when you don't have Nick Marshall, when you don't have Cam Newton, and rarely do you have Cam Newton, um, it just doesn't work as well. So it will be tied to the quarterback as a decision maker and as a runner. But when you look at those offenses that have been really good, in addition to the quarterback, offensive line's been really good. Even a guy like Greg Robinson, who's been a bust in the NFL, was a great college lineman, run blocker. And, you know, they controlled the line of scrimmage. And they forced so many numbers into the box that when they threw it, it was like Georgia Tech throwing it to, you know, Calvin Johnson. I mean, who's going to cover that guy one-on-one? And when are you going to ever get another guy over there? Because you got to put, you know, nine guys in the box. So, to me, I think Gus knows that offense, can call that offense. The issue is not that. The issue, in my mind, is Gus can't expand beyond that offense. And people will take shots and say, well, it's a high school offense. Well, okay. He knows that offense and can call that offense better than anybody. But that offense is limited by who you have at quarterback and what you can do there because it doesn't have a lot of branches to it. It doesn't have a lot of ways in which they can go about it. They're either going to beat you that way and beat you with tempo in the run game, get numbers in the box, get the quarterback running. They're either going to either they're going to you know live or die on that. But they don't. It's not like other offenses where they will tinker with it, and you you take the personnel that you have and you tinker with your with your offense to fit the personnel that you have. Gus doesn't do that. That's not what he is. It's not a criticism. It's not a praise. It's just an evaluation. It's just like saying, you know, a great pocket quarterback can't run the option or an option guy is not good. It's just it's a skill set. Gus's skill set is he knows his offense, but his offense doesn't work unless it has the pieces. And you might say, well, isn't that the same with every coach? It is, but other coaches can take the pieces and maybe it's a little bit more here or there, and they can modify their offense. Gus, Gus doesn't do that, doesn't know how to do that. It's his offense, and he runs it. He knows it. He's the best play caller for it. But if all the pieces are not there, it, it's a, it can be a train wreck, which is why Auburn's season is often very, very good or very, very average. And then LSU, you were taking a look at uh, Lloyd Cushenberry, the redshirt sophomore center uh, said, can get off balance. So how can he address that? Well, you know, I think it's a technique issue, and it's something that, you know, you work at and you try to get guys from a better technique standpoint to bring their feet, not lunge into the blocks. I mean, that that's really the biggest thing that happens uh, with guys on that. Uh, I think large, uh, a really good center. I think this he's going to have to lead a much improved uh, LSU offense, it, it, all the talk about offensive scheme and this or that, I, I got to tell you, what, what killed LSU last year more than anything on offense is their play at the line of scrimmage. They were not that good. They struggled to protect. They struggled to get uh, a lot of consistency in the run game as a result of it. Uh, he just doesn't have good contact balance. He doesn't. Pull, he overextends a lot, and uh, when he does that, 
he falls off of his blocks and doesn't get quite the movement. And then there's defensive penetration or stalemates, um, or there's push into the pocket in the passing game. So uh, I think that's going to be pivotal for him to take that next step for the success of LSU this year and for his pro success, which I think it's going to come. He's got good natural bend and balance. I just think sometimes guys, guys get a little bit lazy. And always say, I think coaching is very good at the college level, Dave. But with the 20-hour work week, um, the coaching coming out of college is worse than it's ever been because they don't get nearly as much coaching as they used to because of the limited time. So that's the that's the real challenge in college ball is how do you get good technique taught? How do you, and, and particularly at line play where you don't put pads on enough, and then how do you get ready for a weekend, week out of the season? That's why the offensive and defensive schemes are so simplistic. Sometimes technique gets lost in the process, and you just kind of let the guy that's a little bit more talented kind of do his thing, and you'll win or lose based on that. But that's a byproduct of the fact that you don't get as much time with those kids as you do anymore. In the classroom, you can get extra time and extra study. But if you don't put on the pads, you don't get that extra time, you don't develop kids as well as they used to. Coming up, we'll have scrimmage news out of Athens, Georgia, also another uh, loss for Florida in what's been a very volatile mm. offseason. Texas A&M will take a look at a rising young defender that uh, I think – you believe is going to have a big impact. And also, Tennessee appears to have found its backup quarterback to Jarrett Garantano. More after this, you're locked on SEC Football Podcast. He's Chris Landry. I'm Dave Hook. You are locked on SEC Football, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back. You're locked on SEC Football Podcast. Let's go to Texas A&M. Sophomore linebacker Anthony Hines III in line to be a starter after appearing in just one game last season. That's quite the ascension. Yeah, you know, he's a really talented guy, though, and he's progressed nicely. They like what he's done. They think he could have a real impact. So I'm excited to see what he can give them this year. He really plays well on his feet, um, pursues well, shoots his hands well. So exciting young player. I'm, uh, again, excited to see I think they're they're really well coached on defense, but not all the pieces are there. He can be one of them that can help them this year. <clears throat> um, I want to go to Georgia um, and your thoughts on their private scrimmage on Saturday. Who are some of the stands out standout? Well, you know, listen, they, they're not um, look. They're 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 well aware of their receiver position, but they're not as concerned about it. Um, they feel like they've got playmakers. It's just a matter of getting those guys enough reps. So they like what their receivers have done and kind of where they are there. And I do think that uh, George Pickens is going to be a guy that they think can help them as a true freshman, and we'll see. They like the backs. The backs played well, keeping guys up, keeping them healthy. Offensive line play has been really good. Um they're they're aware they've got some depth issues on the defensive line, but they're still pretty good. They're still pretty young, so that's going to determine whether they can develop that depth. The young guys and uh, the secondaries, you know, off to a pretty good start. So, really, they, they're they're pleased. They're they're excited. Uh, they think that, that they've got a really good team, and, and they do. But they they think it can be a special season. Um, time will tell. And then uh, Florida, 
loses yet another player. They've had a lot of roster attrition in the offseason. Tackle Noah Banks, a very serious condition with uh, seizures, and obviously we hope his health is is uh, better, and that's the most important thing. But as a senior tackle, how much did you expect him to contribute this year? Well, you know, it hurts their depth. They're very thin there. I think he was going to obviously have a role there. That's a tough loss. Then they lose Jonathan Huggins, safety, who's dismissed from the team for accused of choking a tutor. Um, they've had a lot of, you know, bad luck injuries, all the few issues that they've addressed. And, you know, it's one of those things that's not like, okay, well, they're not addressing it. They are addressing it. But, man, this is, this is just, you know, obviously the first full off season, but kind of the second off season. And, you know, obviously Cox has gone there. You know, obviously Georgia, you know, uh, Cox left Georgia. He's going to Florida. Um, they're going to add a, a corner from LSU. So there's there's a lot of revolving doors at Florida. And, you know, you wonder a little bit about not so much the state of the program. I, I think that's a little bit reactionary, although you can you can see where people are looking at it. My concern is that this team is pretty thin. And while I still like them as the second-best team in the East, um, they're getting further and further behind Georgia in terms of the overall roster. They're getting thinner and thinner. And, you know, you wonder over the course of the season, uh, is it possible, um, you know, that they could maybe, relative to last year, have a little bit of a setback and maybe fall one game short of what we consider expectations for this year. So I think Georgia's program is fine, although we need to look at where they go with recruiting here on out. And we a lot of talk has been, well, you know, Dan was there for a lot of the problems when when Urban was there and all the problem guys. So now when all these guys get kicked off, accused of choking a tutor and all that kind of stuff, they're thinking, or we're in, in Gainesville, they're thinking, are we getting back to that again? I mean, it's a fair question. Um, I think they've had maybe a little bit more problems than most, but not an extraordinary amount. I think it's going to really determine on where this recruiting goes. And, again, if it's top five level and they sustain guys in the program, but there's going to be attrition, as I mentioned. Five-star kid uh, Cox that leaves Georgia is going to Florida. Five, four five-star kid that leaves LSU going to Florida. So they're getting some of that. Now, what are they getting? Are they getting character guys, you know, work ethic guys? Both of those programs kind of kind of glad that they're gone so what does Florida do with them? Can they turn them around? I, I think there's some some issues there at Florida that we need to see how they handle it. <clears throat> Pardon me. Yeah, fair point. The um, the Vols, you think, have uh, found their backup quarterback to Jared Garantano? Yeah, I think it's going to be J.T. Stroud. I mean, I, I don't see it going to be any different here. Um, you know, it, it's um, they don't have – anybody that has taken a snap at this level. So I think it's going to be JT. Listen, I just think that Garantano is going to have to stay healthy for this Tennessee team to get a little bit better. Um, I think it's going to be, you know, dependent upon quarterback play, making some plays in space. We've talked about injuries on the offensive line. I think it's a lot of fun. By the way, a little – comical note I thought it was interesting this weekend as Jeremy Pruitt was doing one of his little 
pressers. Um, a gentleman of the press who I, I don't know who he is. He <laughs> yeah. is from a um, different country. I can't remember. He says Brazil. He says Brazil. Okay. Yeah. He says he says pardon my English, coach. And Jeremy says that's okay. You heard my English, so I thought that was real interesting. Uh, <laughs> As you're well aware, Jeremy's got a, a unique uh, uh, <laughs> take on the English language. So I think Jeremy's, you know, knows that he's got a team that is going to compete hard this year. I just worry about them at the line of scrimmage and uh, hope that they get, like everybody, get good fortune health-wise. But you start talking about some of these teams, some of these teams are deeper than others, and some of these teams can sustain injuries better than others, and that's just kind of the state of the program and as we just talked about with Florida, Florida is not where Georgia is. Tennessee is not even where Florida is in terms of overall depth and the ability to sustain injuries. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out. Yeah, I don't want to play poker with Jeremy Pruitt because I asked him about his eyes that he used <laughs> in his introductory press yeah. conference, and I couldn't tell if he thought the question was funny or he was seriously uh, a little miffed at me. Yeah, well, so, I, think, I think we know how he's got it. That's a... He's he's a uh, he's an Alabama boy, but uh, the I comes uh, definitely from the the hills of West Virginia, if you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, I would think so. Uh, from you know on, who? It's <laughs> your luck on SEC football podcast uh, for Nick Saban. I that's it for the program today. We'll talk to you tomorrow for Chris Landry, LandryFootball.com. I'm Dave Booker.